Hi, I'm Kyla and welcome to my podcast. This is part two of my four-part series, My Mental Health Journey. So if you haven't checked out part one, I would highly recommend going and checking that out so you have some background information for this. I want to put out a trigger warning before we get into it because uh, I'll be talking about things such as suicide, self-harm and hospitalisation. Yeah, but without further ado, let's get into the podcast. One day in late November 2019, I was 15 at this time, and I was riding my bike to school. Now, I normally listen to music while I'm riding my bike, but today I didn't have music because my phone was broken and I couldn't listen to music on it. So, instead of listening to music and focusing on the music, my brain started wandering and it started wandering to some very dark places. Uh, As I was walking, I just started thinking about life and the first time in my life so far, I started thinking about suicide. And not just thinking about suicide, but thinking and wanting suicide for myself. Uh, from the ride, the 10 minute ride from my house to school, I ended up thinking about suicide so much I decided that I was, I was going to commit suicide. Um, and I came up with a plan as well and I got to school and I went about my day. The whole day. I wasn't acting right. I I couldn't get my mind off suicide. It was what I was thinking about the entire school day. I went home and went about my day at home and continued to have these strong suicidal ideations all Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday. On Thursday, I had an appointment with my psychologist. At this point, I was self-harming again, but I hadn't told my psychologist about this. Um, so, we started talking and in my, in my brain I told myself I'm not going to tell her anything about suicidal ideations. I'm going to keep it to myself because if I do, she'll try to stop me. But deep down inside of me, I wanted to tell her. I wanted to tell someone, someone to know what I was going through. I didn't understand what I was feeling. I had never felt like this before and I didn't know if it was normal, I I didn't know anything about it. So, we got talking and we talked for ages and ages, over an hour, and 
slowly, slowly, I got deeper and deeper into talking. And eventually, with lots of pushing from my psychologist, I came out and she figured out what was going on. And she asked me if I had a plan, and I said yes, I wouldn't tell her what it was. I won't mention what it was in this podcast at all, uh, but I wouldn't tell her what it was. And I didn't realise it was a big deal. It's weird to think that it's not a big deal, but just in, in my mind, I, I had never felt like this before. I had I didn't know anything about it, so I didn't know what to expect. I, I just thought it was a way of feeling. Um, but obviously it wasn't because I was so sure about this that I was, I was going to go through with it. So she ended up calling uh, the, a, a helpline and talking to them. And they talked for a while and in the end they decided that I needed to be admitted to hospital for my own safety. So, my psychologist went and got my mum, told my mum what was going on. I was in tears at this point, I was so upset, I didn't understand any of it, and I went to hospital. Um, We got there and we waited for so long. We arrived at five and we didn't get to talk to anyone till after midnight, it was awful. I, the hospital system for mental health, is it, it's just awful. I was feeling so terrible the whole time and just waiting, looking at all these sick people and, I, and just no one was coming to help. Um, eventually, they said, it's too late for anyone to talk to you. They've all gone home. So sat me in a bed Uh, in the children's ward with all of these little babies around me with broken legs or with with coughs. Um, I I didn't have my own room, it was just a curtain. They didn't give me any medication or anything and they sent me to bed. And at this, uh, it was so hard at this point because I couldn't tell anyone what was going on because remember, my phone was broken. It, it was completely dead. It wasn't working one bit. So I couldn't tell anyone what was happening. In the morning when I woke up, my mom stayed overnight with me and eventually a team came and talked to me, a mental health team. And this was the first time where I had a really severe panic attack. And I'll get into it later in this podcast, but I ended up having many of these. They were talking to me about it. And and when they talked to me about how I was feeling, I get triggered and go into this horrible panic attack that lasts for ages like up to half an hour and I just go into this horrible state where I can't think, I can't speak and I'm just there crying and terrified and they were basically saying that they couldn't do anything for me, they would send me home 
get my parents to watch me. I wasn't any safer in the hospital than I would be in my own home. Um, and then they gave me some medication. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was pretty much to just knock me out, to calm my nerves. Uh, I hated it. It just put me to sleep. Um, but they said they'd get in touch with me, maybe get some more therapy with me. They sent me home. It was so weird to me because I was feeling worse than how I had felt when I went in there in the first place and they were just sending me home. It made zero sense, but I went along with it because like I said, I was in this state where I couldn't say anything. So I just did what they said and I went home. Um, now, when I was there, people kept on asking me what triggers might have occurred. Uh, there wasn't heaps, but the only trigger I could really think of is for the past nine months, I had been riding this beautiful, beautiful horse, and I had been taking care of it, uh, almost like a free lease, and riding it, and then the owner said that he needed the horse back, and I was absolutely devastated. So that was the only um, trigger that I could think of. Um, so I went about uh, the next few days, I went back to school. I was sleeping in my parents' room at this point. Um, and I believe I was still self-harming. Uh, my memory's not too great about this. Um, and then um, a few weeks later, I self-harmed really quite badly on my leg. And I didn't tell anyone about this, um, but it was it. It needed medical attention and again I didn't get anything so I didn't want to tell anyone. Um, and the next day I went to school and the school nurse came and talked to me because she knew about my hospitalization and she was absolutely lovely. I, I loved her. She was beautiful. I was so understanding and just talked to me about it and Again, I didn't feel any different than how I did before. I was still having these strong suicidal ideations. So she rang up CAMS, the Children and Adolescent Mental Health um, Unit, and booked me in for their emergency appointment that day. And I went there and talked to them about how I was feeling. And again, they decided to send me into hospital. This time, they called up in advance to tell them I was coming in and to let them know that instead of just keeping me in the, um, in the uh, children's ward, they would take me up to the adolescent mental health ward and keep me as an inpatient for a few days. So we got there and I thought, well, at least this time I won't have to wait so long. But 
the communication was just horrible and there was a, a um, shift swap uh, just the time that we arrived so no one knew why I was there or what was going on and again I waited until after midnight till I could get a bed and they took me up and they put me in bed and I was so worn out at this point. Um, I believe at some time around this time they also, um, I think after the first hospital visit they swapped my medication that I was on which was uh, sertraline and they swapped it to fluoxetine, uh, 20 milligrams of fluoxetine. And so I went up and I stayed in the adolescent mental health ward. Um, and I, some nurses and doctors came in and they looked at my cuts and they wanted to give it stitches. But because it had been over 24 hours since I had cut, they couldn't stitch it up. Um, so again, I just went to bed that night without talking to anyone. And in the morning, I came and I talked to a few mental health workers. But again, I, it was just waiting all day for a talk with the mental health professionals for half an hour and then just laying in bed the whole of the day. It was a really horrible experience. To make it even worse, at this point, my um, mum was actually in New Zealand uh, for a horse riding adventure and my dad was meant to leave the next day. And luckily after my first hospital visit, my dad asked my grandma to come down. Um, well, and she, she was also she was also coming down to look after uh, me and my siblings while my parents were away in New Zealand. My dad asked her to come a bit earlier just to um, look after me. So my dad ended up leaving to New Zealand, and my mum was in New Zealand, and it was just me and my grandma that normally lived in Tasmania, so I wasn't awfully close to her, and it was just waiting and waiting around bed all day um, yeah it, it wasn't great um, and um, again I eventually got discharged from there um, and I went back home. Um, and they again said they would, they would keep in touch, but that they couldn't keep me any safer in the hospital than they could at home. Uh, and they would get me some new kind of um, therapy. And I went home again, still feeling exactly the same um, and then I again kept self-harming uh, 
I tried to stop, but I, it was my only way out. And for the first time ever, I, in a moment of spontaneous thinking, I cut on my arm. So now I really had no, nowhere to hide anything. And my mum picked up on this, that I was wearing long sleeves all the time. Um, and, and again, I cut really, really deep into my arm to the point I could see um, see my vein just below it. Um, if I cut into that, that would have been really bad and I was, I was so close to it. I could see it in the open wound and I didn't tell anyone until my mum found out and made me show her um, all of my wounds and she was absolutely devastated by them um, and she started getting me to show her every night so she would know that I wasn't continuing to cut um, so I kept going to school um, and eventually I, I did stop cutting once my mum got her once my mum um, got me to show her and I was still going to um, therapy. I was now swapped um, to talking to uh, therapists at, I stopped talking to my current psychologist and I started talking to the uh, mental health team at CAMS. That's where they transferred me over to. And then it was the Christmas break and um, I had six weeks of holidays. We went up to Tasmania and that was great. Again, I felt really bad at times. I had some really bad days. I was still thinking about suicide a lot, but it was really good to have a break from school. Um, and then we went back to school and things started up again and um, I cut again really badly but this time my relationship with talking to mental health and my parents was getting a lot better and I went and I told my mum after um, lots of thinking and we decided to take me in to a walk-in clinic and just get it looked at. So we went in to this walk-in clinic and they decided that I needed stitches. Um, the stitches were just awful, absolutely awful. And that then was the last time that I have self-harmed up to today. I think in a weird way, getting stitches really makes you not want to self-harm again because just the process of them stitching it up, it, it, it wasn't the stitches, it was the um, anesthetic that they... Um, that they, they put in because obviously they have to stick this needle into an open wound and it was, 
the greatest pain I have ever felt. It was absolutely awful. Um, and my mum was there with me the whole time. And she was really good and um, supported me. Uh, and also around this time, uh, it's weird because yes, yes, I wasn't doing great, but a lot of things were better. The same horse that I was riding that um, owner decided to, um, the owner said that he was taking back. My mum had lots and lots of talking to him and in January surprised me with buying this horse for me and I love him so much I obviously still own him today and it was it was the best thing ever but obviously money can't or horses can't just get rid of a mental illness so I was still having on and off suicidal ideation um, and I, I got these stitches and around this time I started to feel really bad again um, uh, so this was in I think early February I this happened um, and I think that this is where I'm gonna leave off my uh, part two because I don't want it to get too long um, yeah, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for uh, part three, which I'll be releasing next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. It means so much to me. Please favorite the podcast. Uh, yeah, it, it really does mean a lot. So thanks, and I hope to see you next week for part three.